1: might be wondering, why in the world would Jesus ask that question of somebody who's sick? Listen to the words. Do you want to be made well? Why would Jesus ask that? Surely this man wanted to be healed. That's not necessarily so. There are many who are sick, many who are struggling with infirmities, many who are struggling with the sin of addiction, who really do not want to be made well. Maybe some have been so discouraged that they've put away all hope.
0: If you're broken or sick, doesn't it seem obvious that you would want to be made well again? Pastor Dave reminds us today that some people like to wallow in their misery, denying any possible hope. Don't get caught up in your own despair and misfortune so that you can't see all that God desires for you and wants you to be. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 5 as he continues his message, Do You Want to Be Made Well?
1: Look around at the people you attend church with every single week. The standard response is, how you doing? Fine. That's the standard response. Fine. Are you? Is that what you're saying? So people won't think anything less of you? Are you wearing some sort of a mask? Maybe you see a row after row after row after row of people who are dressed to success and impress you. But Jesus sees row after row after row after row of hurting people. Hurting people, yes, even in this room. People here today because they need comfort. People need to hear today because they need peace. People here today because they actually need a healing. There are lonely people here today who need belonging. They need to belong to something. There's people in captivity today who are seeking freedom. There's prodigals here in need of forgiveness. There's desperate people here in need of hope today. There are those of us who, what we might call, have major problems. I'm talking about major, major problems, some sort of incurable disease, some sort of a job problem, some sort of money financial problem. But there are many of us with lesser hurts. They don't seem too small to us. An unresponsive spouse, a boring job, a poor grade, a friend, a parent who is left unresponsive. Stories go on and on. The lonely, the dying, the discouraged, the exhausted, the fearful, they're all here. They've come to what we like to call the hospital. We are a hospital. A gentleman wrote an article once, and he titled the article about churchgoers, would every person who does not hurt in some way please stand up? Interesting. So who's to blame? Or what's the blame? Where can we place blame for such a hurting world, for such a devastating thing that's going on in our lifetime? One word sin. Its effects are devastating. But what's interesting is that the prophet Isaiah prophesies about this a long time ago when he prophesies about the Messiah coming to the nation Israel. In Isaiah 35, in verses 3 through 6, this is what he writes. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with a recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like the deer, and the tongues of the dumb shall sing. For water shall birth forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Isaiah indicates that there's some of you among God's people who have weak hands and feeble knees. What's the cause? The cause is sin in our life. The cause is we've stopped moving forward to Jesus Christ. We've become stagnant. Just like a pool of water that doesn't move, after time it becomes stagnant. We've become stagnant in our walk because we've stopped action. We've stopped. Something is keeping us down. If we're not moving forward in our walk with Jesus Christ, we possibly have come to the stop. And heaven forbid that we start to go backwards. If we're no longer following hard after Jesus Christ, we might be left with weak hands and feeble knees. If we're not moving forward, we begin to fall behind. And others start to take our place as they move forward in the faith. The prophet Isaiah is saying to Israel, God's restoration is hand. It's no time for weak hands and feeble knees. The Lord wants to say to you today that are fearful, say today that those who have hurting hearts, be strong. Do not fear. The Messiah will come and save you. I'm saying to you today, folks, those of you who are struggling with all sorts of different things, be strong. Do not fear. The Lord Jesus is coming for you. He's coming for you. In our present condition, we need to be strong in the hope of the Lord to overcome these fearful wounds. We need the assurance and confidence that Christ will come and save us. And where do we get that assurance? Where do we get that confidence? To his word. His word clearly tells us that Jesus is going to return for his own and gather them and take them to where he is. That is our hope. That is the hope in which we have. And in that day, there will be no more pain. There will be no more tears. There won't be any more problems. We'll see him face to face, and it'll be a wonderful experience. The people lying around the pool of Bethesda that day should have been looking for their Messiah. And what's interesting about it is as we read the Scriptures, their Messiah was walking among them. Their Messiah was walking right among them. But they failed to recognize Him. They were trying in their own strength to do something about their predicament because their religious leaders had them spiritually blind. They were spiritually blind. Instead of looking for the Messiah, looking for the one who would heal them, they were too busy looking at their problem and thinking how they could fix it. That might sound pretty darn familiar to some of you. In verse 6, Jesus looks at the lame man. He looks at him. He sees him there. Jesus knew his condition for a long time. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there in that condition a long time, he said to him, he asked this very curious thing. And some of you might be wondering, why in the world would Jesus ask that question of somebody who's sick? Listen to the words. Do you want to be made well? Why would Jesus ask that? Surely this man wanted to be healed. That's not necessarily so. There are many who are sick, many who are struggling with infirmities, many who are struggling with the sin of addiction who really do not want to be made well. Maybe some have been so discouraged that they've put away all hope. Look what the man does in verse 7. The man said, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am in coming, another steps down before me. Instead of saying anything to Jesus, he begins to make excuses. There's nobody going to help me. I need someone to come and help me. How can I get there? Somebody come and help me. Where's his trust? Where's his faith? He's not placing his faith in the Messiah. He's not facing his faith in God. He's placing his faith in man, and man will always let you down. I have no one to help me into the pool when the water moves. And instead of him giving Jesus an answer, he's making excuses. I want to be healed, but I've tried everything in my power, and I can't do it. Well, yeah, you're right. You're exactly right. You've tried everything in your own power, and you can't do it. You're limiting God. You put a limit on what God can do. Well, if I can't do it, it can't be done. You see, to be made well, there needs to be a desire to be made well. Follow me on this. There needs to be a desire to be made well. We have to put the excuses aside. When we make excuse after excuse after excuse, we come to embrace the excuse. The excuse becomes our bud. It becomes our BFF. We love our excuses. We love to make excuses as to why we can't move forward. And that way, we can wallow in our hopelessness and our inactivity. We rationalize, I'll never be well anyhow. We see our excuses. They keep us from going that extra mile to have faith. They keep us from going that extra mile of seeking out Jesus. Our excuses are holding us back from victory when the victory has already been won, when the victory has already been completed. Now, this man's will has paralyzed him. He didn't know any other kind of way of life. He had been that way for 38 years. My goodness. It was his way of life. And guess what? He was comfortable in that position. We become familiar with our position in life. We think that that's what we deserve. This is my lot in life, and I'm gonna, I going gonna—I deserve it. We become familiar. We know it. It won't surprise us. We can become more comfortable in our present misery than it takes to take the steps to be free. Sometimes we don't have desire to be free from our addictions. Sometimes we don't have a desire to be free from our current situation. Why? We're afraid of the outcome. We're afraid of the outcome. If you heal a lame man who is begging on the side of the road, he's no longer lame. How can he beg for food? You've taken away his money source. Now he has to take some responsibility. There are payoffs in our afflictions. Come on, let's get real. There are payoffs in our afflictions. Number one, you get all kinds of attention from all kinds of people. Oh, poor baby. You get help. And sometimes you get power over people. You get them to do what you want them to do because you're hanging on to it. The man says to Jesus, every time I get up, someone beats me to the pool. The man is trying to do things in his own strength. And once again, Jesus is trying to teach a spiritual lesson all through the book so far, the first four chapters. Everything Jesus does is spiritual. He's trying to teach a spiritual lesson. It's a matter of the heart, and it's a matter of faith. In what or in whom are you placing your trust? In whom are you placing your faith? It's very interesting that as we get further on in the chapter, in verse 40, Jesus is talking about the people who won't believe in him, the people who won't trust in him. He says, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. There needs to be a willingness to go from this life to the new life. There needs to be a willingness to drop everything behind you, the old, and come into the new. There needs to be a willingness on your part. If you draw nigh to God, He'll draw nigh to you. There's a willingness there. Jesus commands the guy to do three things. He commands the guy to do three things, and we're going to look at these three things. I think they apply to us today. First thing he says is rise, get on your feet, get moving. Stop wallowing in your infirmity. Look at Jesus. Fix your eyes upon him. He is able to heal you. Stop believing that your situation can't be changed, but believe that he will take care of you. It's an action. Follow him. Was Jesus asking the impossible of the man? No, nothing's impossible with God. Jesus was asking man to do something that he hadn't done in 38 years. Rise up. And I'm sure as that man took a step of faith, and began to rise, his legs were strengthened, and he was given the power to stand. In fact, that's what verse 9 says. And immediately the man was made well. Note that rising up is what? It's an action. He did something. He could have just sat there and said, i uh, tried that before, it didn't work. Every time I get up, I fall on my face. No, he got up anyhow. He tried it again. And he was given the power to stand. Rise is an action word. So is faith. Faith is an action word. Then Jesus says to the man, take up your bed. Why wouldn't he want him to leave that gnarly blanket or bed or mat or whatever it was there by the pool? Why would he want him to take that up? I thought about this. Why would he want him to take that up? He didn't want him to have something to come back to. He didn't want him to have something to come back to. If I leave the bed there, I can always go back to that mat. I can always go back and sneak back in and get cuddly again. I'm sure my impression is still in that, mat, and I can fit right in there and be comfy cozy. Jesus wanted the man to rid himself of the trappings of the old life. What does that mean to us? Simply this, folks. If you have an alcohol problem and you have alcohol in the house, get rid of it. Go in there, take the bottles, and dump them down the drain and get rid of them. They're not there anymore, are they? If you have a gambling problem, don't go to a casino. If you have a pornography problem, get rid of your computer, get rid of your cable TV, get rid of your beautiful, wonderful, fancy iPhone, and get a flip phone that doesn't do those kind of things until you get over this thing. Christ has healed you. Take up your bed. Don't leave a hint of your old wear around. You don't want to make it so easy to go back to the old life. Well, now that I'm healed from from alcohol, I'm going to go into every bar, and I'm going to witness. Good luck with that one. Good luck. As someone who had a gambling problem, when I go into a casino and I hear those ding, 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 dings, oh, boy. That's exciting, man. That is exciting. So guess what? I don't go. I don't go there. I don't want to go there. Get away from your old life. That means even breaking up with the old crowd. Breaking up with the old crowd who always brought you down, who always took you back to the old mat and put you in the old mat. Leave them behind. Get rid of them. I guarantee if you hang around with them, you're not going to bring them to Christ. They're going to take you back down. It happens every time. Don't leave the old life around. Don't give a chance to get back. And then he says, walk. Walk, yes, Walk in the love of God through Jesus Christ. Walk in the newness of your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Fix your eyes upon Jesus and walk forward. Don't look back. Don't look back at your old life with longing. Don't look back at the good old days. Well, if they were so good, why were you so miserable? Don't look back at the good old days. Don't look back that way. Fellowship with other believers. Pray. Read God's Word, because this is where the victory's won. Read His Word. Look at that. Fellowship. Transfer all your efforts of the old life into the new life of Jesus Christ. Stop believing that you can change things. Oh, I can stop anytime I want. I'm not addicted. And furthermore, I don't inhale. I can control it. No, you can't. You cannot control it. You're paralyzed by your sin. You're only fooling yourself. And this goes much deeper than just addictions or the big ones that we think about. How about unforgiveness? I have a right to be angry with what they did to me. No, you do not. No, you do not. Not according to the Word of God. How about bitterness that has gotten into your life and you can't get rid of it? This bitterness has seeped up. How about jealousy, covetousness, all these things, you know, I want, 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 want. I want what that person has and that person has. I want it. These things keep you down. They bind you and they keep you bound up in misery. When the man started in action, he got up, he started to walk, he was made well, and he walked. Before the man even took his first step, Jesus had already healed him. He could have sat there. He could have just stayed there and not moved at all. He could have just stayed there and not moved. I tried in the past. I can't fool myself again. I tried. I tried and tried and tried. Have you tried it Jesus' way? I love that when people come to me and I start witnessing to them and they give me, oh, I tried Jesus. He doesn't work. Excuse me? (laughs) You must be trying to fake Jesus because Jesus always works. Jesus always works. We used to tell the kids at Vacation Bible School, who always wins? God always wins. God always wins. But the man didn't do that. He felt and believed in the power of God. He believed and he was healed If he had never taken the action, he would have never found out that he was healed and believed. And I believe it shows us another thing, that what we have to do to be made well, we have to be made well by faith. It takes an action of faith. See, some of us are sitting here today and we're still paralyzed. God doesn't expect you to come up from your mat on your own power. I know that most of you who are paralyzed by the sin, by what's going on in your life, had tried to come off your mat in your own power. And every time you try to get back up, you've been knocked back down. And you're still on your mat because you can't get up. You're so discouraged that you can't get up. You've had it. I can't do this anymore. I am discouraged. It doesn't work. I can't get up. Jesus is telling you today to rise. Pick up that mat and walk. That's what he's telling you today. It's only through the power of God that you're going to be made well. I know you're a little skittish because you've fallen back down before. Great. Bump your nose again. I don't care how many times it takes. Get back up and walk. Move. When you try to stand in your own power and not the power of God, you are bound to fail because you cannot heal yourself. You cannot heal yourself on your own power. There are some of you in here this morning that maybe you're not physically disabled, but you've allowed something to disable you from living the life that not only you want to live, but the life that God has chosen for you to live. You're disabled. You have disabled yourself. You've taken yourselves out of the ball game. It's almost like you've disqualified yourself. There may be someone here who in the grips of alcohol. It has controlled your life and you aren't able to cut it loose. It has caused you to be someone who you're really not. It has rocked your world in many aspects. There may be someone in here today who's battling pornography. No one knows it but you and God. But when you're alone in the house with the computer, when you're in the clutches of pornography, it can be every bit as worse as as the addiction to alcohol, to drugs, to whatever. Every bit. It can can totally consume you. It's ruined marriages. It's ruined lives. Some of you have tried and tried and tried to get away from your sickness, to try and try and try to get away from your infirmity. Can't seem to do it because you're trying in your own might. First section of the armor of God, Ephesians 6, I think it's verse 10, doesn't tell you to be strong in your might, does it? It says, Be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. My strength is only in the Lord. The Lord's not around, I have no strength. Praise God, he's always with me, he's always around me, and in him I have my strength. You may have tried many, many times, and maybe you've given up hope. I want to tell you today that the only thing that can take away your desire to do this is Christ. You must have a desire to be made well. It must come from within. Christ can give you what you need to overcome. Some of you might be riding in the disease of bitterness. Christ can give you more than what you need. He can help you. He can give you that. Maybe someone here this morning has a physical sickness and you become so discouraged, and you've used your situation, that you've lost the desire to be made well. That person did. Whatever sickness it is that has disabled you, whatever it is, Christ is asking you the same question that he asked this man thousands of years ago. Do you want to be made well? Only you in your heart know whether you truly want to be made well or if it's just a facade, if it's just a fake thing. Only you and God know What's in your heart? Do you want to be made well? If the answer is truly, yes, Lord, I want to be made well, then the suggestion is rise, take up your bed, and walk. By faith, you move forward. By faith, you move to Jesus and look to Jesus, always seeing Jesus before you. Don't try to do it by yourself. You can't. Don't try to do it by yourself. You can't. This man couldn't. He complained, I have no one to get me into the water. Jesus didn't say, I'll carry you to the water. Jesus said, rise, take up your mat and walk. That's what Jesus is telling you today, folks. I can't make it any more clear. I can't make it any more clear than the Lord has made it to me and I'm sharing with you today. And I hope it registers with you. When Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth and the life... No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way of life. I am the truth in life. I am actually life in you. It's all about Jesus. Why do we make it about other things? It's Jesus, only Jesus, and nothing but Jesus. And that's the answer to our problems. That's the answer to our troubles. And I know some of you are sitting there with skepticism. Yeah, right, Dave. Sure. Sure. Yeah, okay. Whatever you say. I challenge you. I challenge you to give it a try. I challenge you to give your whole heart to Christ, everything. Give your whole heart to Christ and let him make you whole again. I challenge you. I challenge you. Because if you come back to me and go, it didn't work, I can guarantee you, you didn't give him everything. I can guarantee it. So he's telling you today to rise, take up your mat, and walk. You are sure.
0: We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. You can listen to additional teachings from this series in John or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you, and if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m., and you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand. And we'd still love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this edition of A Sure Hope.